Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Mind Soulful Show, where mindfulness meets heart and soul. We're chatting soulful mindfulness, mindset, manifestation, and today we're chatting love stories. Yes, today I have dating and love coach for successful women, Crystal Aram. She shares with us her beautiful love story where she manifested her husband in under a year. She shares about how you can manifest your own true love or partner, the importance of getting clear about who you are and your love blueprint, as well as what you're looking for, not being a commoner, but dating like a duchess. She drops so many gems in this amazing episode. Tune in. Welcome to the Mind Soulful Show, where mindfulness meets your heart and soul. I'm your host, Brooke Sidney. I'm an abundance accelerator, mind soulful mentor, and an inner voice and soul story coach. This show dives deep into soulful mindfulness, mindset, and manifestation. It will help you manifest more inner and outer abundance in the form of greater self-love, hearing your inner voice, as well as more presence, freedom, ease, and greater self-confidence in you being you. So if you're looking to learn more about the high vibe tools of mindfulness, mindset, and manifestation to love the life you are presently living, you are tuned into the right show. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Mind Soulful Show, where mindfulness meets heart and soul. We chat all things soulful, mindfulness, mindset, and manifestation. I'm super excited because today I have Crystal Iram, who is a dating coach for successful women. I'm so excited to talk to you guys today. I've known Crystal for a while. We actually go way back, meaning go all the way to law school together. So it's so interesting now to learn about her career, her love life, and how she's helping other women with their love lives. Thanks so much, Crystal, for popping on. Thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honestly very excited to dig into this stuff with you. So tell me like how, obviously I kind of gave it away a little bit that we both went to law school, um, you know, and now you are a dating coach. How did you get on this path? Yeah, so I went to law school. I practiced law for a little while, and it was very evident to me quite early on that law was not where my heart was. It was not the career that I, like, I knew from the beginning it wasn't what I was going to do forever, but it was fine. I was good enough at it. I enjoyed it enough, and so it wasn't like a huge, huge thing where it was just like, I it was like, at some point I'm going to do something else. And as time went on, it was just like, well, maybe I can start doing something else and eventually I'll make a full transition. So while I was still practicing law, um, I started working as a coach. I went through training for coaching and I was just like, I'll do it on the side. And maybe at some point it will become something that I do more of. Um, and you know, actually when I, one of the things that's challenging about coming from a career like law is that it has a certain amount of prestige, right? Like you go through all this education mm -hmm. you're like, oh, you're a lawyer, like so fancy. <laughs> so <laughs> there was a part of me where it was very hard to leave that. Um, both of my parents are lawyers. So 
I went into what I call a shadow career, which is basically a career that is much closer to what you desire, but still isn't all the way there. And so for me, the shadow career was career and business coaching because mm. as a lawyer, that felt like a much more like reasonable step. Right. That like that makes, that makes sense. Yeah. Right. right. It made sense. Um, so I did that for a while. And as I kept working on my personal development and becoming, you know, more and more authentic and sort of true to myself, it was like, I got to what I should have really been doing all along, which is working with women around love and relationships. That has always been my heartbeat. Um, and, you know, I think I dealt with what a lot of people go through, which is just like doubt about myself, especially before I was in the relationship that I'm currently in with my husband, you know, just judgments about like, well, who am I, you know, who am I to coach people on love and relationships? Um, so it's a little bit of a cop out that I waited until I was happily married, but regardless, that is my story. And that is, <laughs> that's, that's how I ended up here. Um, I, I was at a, that's a great story because you have proof of being able to manifest an amazing marriage and love and relationship. So it's like perfect. Actually, it seems like really great timing for it all. Honestly. Yeah. It unfolded really sort of perfectly. I was actually at a retreat and we were all taught, it was a business retreat and it was just women. And everyone was sort of talking about what they were doing. And I just like, I got called out in a really loving way. And everyone was just like, we don't understand why you're not a relationship coach. Like you're obsessed with relationships. You're like, all you want to talk about is love. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I don't have a response to that. That's true. Um, and it was like, that was what sort of finally gave me the courage to just go after what I really wanted, which is helping women in this particular way. So I know my listeners are dying to know, how did you meet your husband? How did you get on that path? Yeah. So do you want like the long version? I can tell you how I technically met him. I met him on an app. We swiped right on each other. Ooh. Um, so apps do work, then that's good. Apps, of course apps work. You know, here's my thing about apps. It's like an app and online dating in general, it's just a microcosm of like the entire world. It's not like there's this separate set of human beings that date on apps. It's like, no, the same guys that you can meet at work or at the gym or at the grocery store or at the library, like they're on apps. A lot of people are on apps. So it's like, do you have to use apps? No, of course you don't have to. But like, why wouldn't you? All of the, like the humans are on the apps. <laughs> The humans so. are on the apps. Okay, so yes, we. I want to hear the story. I want to hear the story about how we met the husband. How I manifested him or like how we got together? Mm. I, think, I think let's do how you got together and then we'll talk about how you manifested him and how other women can manifest their, their partners. Okay, totally. So how we got together. We swiped right on each other. I had a very strict policy of not ever starting conversations. I never, ever started a conversation with a guy when I met him on an app. So he started a conversation um, and we chatted pretty briefly. We set a date, but I specifically said in my profile, like, I'm not looking for a pen pal. Like, if you're looking for a pen pal, keep looking or like something with like the little cross, like the no girl emoji. Um, and so he sort of knew like, okay, she's ready to meet. And so we made plans to meet. And then as we were chatting, I realized that he didn't live in the same city as I did. 
So I canceled our date because I was just like, I don't like, I just don't see how this is going to work. Oh, wow. And then we were still like chatting a little bit and we had made plans for drinks. Like we'd made plans to go out on like Thursday night. And so I was just like, this guy's just in town for like a short time. Like he's probably looking to hook up. So I don't want to go. I don't want to meet him for drinks. Like that's just not what I'm trying to do. And so I canceled and then we were still chatting and he wanted to meet. I was intrigued. And so I was like, listen, I'm not going to meet you for drinks, but I have this meeting at 7 a.m. And if you'd like to meet me after, I will go to breakfast with you. And he was like, yeah, okay. That's <laughs> I, was, I like that. That's yeah, I was like, he totally called my bluff there. But <laughs> anyway, so we met for breakfast and we just had a really, like, we had a great time. It was just like easy. And then he was like, do you want to do something else? And I was like, sure. So we went and we had brunch right afterwards. And of course we had mimosas at brunch and then the waitress brought us shots. And so we were just having like the best time. So it's like three in the afternoon and I was just like, I need to go home and like take a nap. So we separated for the evening and then um, he called me later and said that he wanted to see me for dinner. And so we just spent a lot of time together over the next couple of days, basically, until, until he left. And then he left and he kept calling. Like he, 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 he left and he, he called me and I was just like, I had a great time with you. Like you're super sweet and fun, but like, I don't really, I don't understand why you're calling basically, but he was just calling me. He just wanted to talk. He wanted to get to know me more. And like, he was a great guy. So I was like open to it, but I really was not thinking like, Oh, this is my husband that I'm talking to. It's mm-hmm. just like, this is a fun, like entertaining, interesting guy. And he had kept saying to me, like, how can I get you to come visit me? And I just wasn't like, I, I was just, I, that was not something I had done, like flying to see a guy. And so I was just like, mm, I, I don't. Oh, I don't. he was that far away that you had to fly to him. Yes. Okay. Okay. And so he's, he's calling me. And then one day he called and we're talking on um, like FaceTime or whatever. And he was just like, you really don't seem like yourself today. And I just started crying and he's like, what's wrong? And I was just like, I really don't feel well. I had moved from LA to New York, not that long before. So it was like, I was kind of sick and just feeling like missing LA and just feeling sort of lonely. And it's just like hard when you're sick and you're feeling isolated. And I was just having one of those moments. And so I just started crying and we finished our conversation and he was really sweet about it. And An hour later, I have a knock at my door and he had called and ordered soup for me. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. From one of the, one of the restaurants in my neighborhood. Wow. And I was just like, wow, that was like Mm -hmm. very. I got chills. I got chills from that. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like very sweet and it felt very much like. Oh my God, I'm like going to get emotional. <laughs> so it's just like, he was really feeling like, how can I take care of this woman? Like she's far away and she's sad and she's sick, but like, what can I do? And that's what he thought of. And I, I felt very, like I did feel very taken care of. And it was funny because I was having a conversation with my mom and I like sort of casually mentioned, and I mentioned when I met him because he had made an impression on me 
But then like, I didn't really bring it up that much. And then I mentioned, you know, that he had sent me soup. I'm on the phone with my mom and she goes, <gasps> Crystal. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> she was just like, that is incredible. Like that is not something that like, that's not something that men just do every day. And she was like, you need to go see him. And I was like, really? And she was like, yes, you need to go. She was like, and you just need to have more fun. And I was like, okay, mom, like <laughs> whatever. Moms do so, know best a lot. Some of them, some of them do. Some of them do. And my mom is, my mom is quite smart and she does often know best. And she usually gives me good advice. Like very rare. Like, I don't know if her advice has ever led me astray. And so I was just like, okay, interesting. So yeah, that was pretty much it. She sort of talked me into it. And so I went to visit him and it was really interesting because sort of right off the bat, it was like, I went to see him. We had, I got there on like a Thursday. We spent a little bit of time together. And then for the weekend, he took me to like see his parents. And so we spent like a night at his parents' house and like his brother and his family was there. And then the next day he had planned a camping trip with like his closest friends. Um, So I met like 10 of his closest friends. We like spent a night in the wilderness and I got to know all of them. And so it was like, that was a, it was a lot, but I did, I mean, it was just like, wow, he really felt something very strongly. Like he felt something very strong about me, obviously, because he was just like, I'm bringing you into my world. I want to see how you are with like the people that I love. Um, And then we had, we had like a few days where we just really got to like focus on each other. Um, And that is an amazing, like what second date? I know. Right. It was crazy. It was really interesting, but you know, so it was like, I remember when I was going home cause I, I, I wrote in my journal and I love that I like had this documented because I was just like, I had such an incredible time. Like this is such a special person and like, it'll be sad if I don't ever see him again. Like I still wasn't getting it, but like in his mind, it was like, <laughs> we're going to be together. And I was just like, have a nice life. <laughs> I was just like, um, <laughs> You know, because I was very, not detached in a cold way, but I, you know, we can get into like the manifesting aspects of it, but I was very, I knew I was manifesting like my husband, the love of my life, my person. Mm -hmm. And I was not like attaching myself to a particular like person until I really felt like I could know. So even after these like incredible days together, I was still like, "Mm, I don't know. And then um, I got... I got home and, you know, he was like, I want to only see you. I want to be in a relationship with you. And I was like, that's cool. Um, I'm dating like four other guys. So like, I have to get back to you on that. <laughs> Take, um, a number. Take a number while I continue to evaluate. I mean, but really it's like when you're committed to calling in a relationship and when you want to go from single to coupled up and you want to do it sort of quickly, it's not something that you go into lightly, like having a boyfriend. And I think that is something that a lot of women, uh, like they don't think about. Like if a guy claims her and he's like, oh, this is my girlfriend, Allie. They're just like, oh my God, he called me his girlfriend. I'm like so excited about it. And it's like, no, before you make a commitment with someone, before you say, I'm not going to date other people, I'm going to focus on really getting to know you. Like 
who is this that you're getting to know? What does it mean to be in a relationship with him? So, you know, I had to break things off with a couple of other people, but I also needed to have that talk with Kobe. Kobe's my husband. And so I had to figure out like, what do you even think that means? If we're like, if we're boyfriend, girlfriend, if we're in this exclusive committed relationship, what does that look like? Um, so whatever, that was only over a couple of days that we got that all sorted out. But I mean, and it, it worked out. The relationship progressed quickly from there because from that time that we decided to only date each other, it was basically three months until we were engaged. Wow. So I think even, I think I know a little bit about your story in that you were met and married in about a year. Is that correct? Yeah, it was wow. from the day that we swiped right on each other to the day that we got married was a little under 10 months. Okay. So there was so, about, so in September, we didn't see each other. We were just talking. That's when he was trying to like convince me to like see him again, basically. Um, so it was like we met in August and then in October was when we had another visit. And then, you know, we got engaged in January. We got married in June. Today's wow. actually our anniversary. Oh my goodness. Happy anniversary. Wow. Yay. This feels very like synchron, like very good synchronicity today. That's awesome yeah. that we're talking about this beautiful relationship. So how do you manifest a partner? How do you manifest a love? I know all the women that are listening to this and maybe even the guys that are tuning in or they're in the car with their, with their women and they're like, how did she really do this? How did she manifest her partner? Yeah. So you know, I know you talk about manifesting on the show. You know, the most, well, how do I want to break this down? Um, there's steps to it, right? right? So the first thing that I work with, like my clients and my students, I have a signature program, Magnetize Your Match. And like the first module, what we focus on is upgrading your love blueprint is what I call it. And your love blueprint is basically your patterns, your beliefs, all of your subconscious stuff about love and relationships, because your love blueprint is guiding you in everything that you do. So that's the first thing. And everyone is going, you know, anyone who wants to be in a relationship that is not in a relationship is going to have some wonky stuff with their love blueprint. Okay. So it's not like, oh, I came from this horrible background. And so that's why my love blueprint isn't bringing me towards the most perfect partners. Everyone's going to have that. However, if you did come from a background with a certain level of dysfunction, if you had a parent that was unavailable, or if there was instability or abandonment or uh, substance, anything like that, then obviously these are going to be much bigger issues in your love blueprint. Right. And, you know, without going too, you know, too into detail about it, my love blueprint was a really pulling me towards men that were unavailable, emotionally unavailable. And that was like, that was a big thing because when you want, when you only want people who are emotionally unavailable, you're not going to create like a committed, happy, loving relationship. Right. Right. And it's so interesting that you're saying though, that all of us, I think all of us have probably something like there's not a perfect love blueprints. And I think just hearing that for, I think a lot of women out there, myself included, that's awesome to know. It's just, it sounds like being aware of what you're working with is like probably more than half the battle, like knowing what's going on. 
Awareness is extremely powerful because here's what it's like when you're manifesting anything, whether it's a relationship or a job or a house or money, you know, what you have to do is start by taking total responsibility for everything that has shown up in your experience up to that point. Right. And that is really challenging for people. People don't like doing that because they, because we don't want to, like, it doesn't feel good to be like, Oh, so it's my fault that I'm single. Right. Oh, so it's my fault that guys treat me badly. Oh, so it's my exactly. fault that I do this. And it's not about <laughs> fault. It's about saying if I'm willing to take responsibility for everything that I've happened, if I'm willing to say I created all this, then you're in a position to say I'm willing and able to create something different because that's the other part. You have to start by taking responsibility and then you have to understand that it's within your power to create something different going forward. Now, wouldn't you think that's part of kind of the... Um, I, even though I hate this word, like the whole idea of like being comfortable in that victim stage, like things were done to me. I wasn't treated properly. It's not like you're saying, it's not my fault. Why do, why do I have to take responsibility for things that were done to me? But we all know, like whether, whether we're manifesting a lover or manifesting anything in our life until we step into our power, we are, we're unable to change anything. A hundred percent. And it's not about blaming the victim or saying this painful or horrible or abusive experience that you went through didn't happen. It's not about invalidating the experience that you had or making you wrong for it. It's about recognizing that in the present moment, the only thing that exists is your memory and or perception of it. That's so true. That's so true. the event doesn't exist anymore. The only thing that still exists is your story. So it's always worth asking, like, what's the story I'm telling and is it serving me? Because often when we are not willing to take responsibility for something that's happened, it's like we are arguing for our own limitations. We're saying, well, this did happen to me and this is the reason that it's not working out for me. And I should be, I'm justified in being in angry or upset or hurt. And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. You can justify that if that's what you truly desire. But like, how is that moving you towards what you want going forward? That's so true. That's so true. And I don't think most, I don't think most women or most people know that they are arguing for their own limitations. They just see it as what I call quote unquote reality. But is that the reality that you want to continue to manifest? Right. But it's also like, it's not reality. Like what's (laughs) happening right now? That is not reality. Like, it's just not. The reality is like what's in the present moment. So it's- They think it is, but it's not. You're totally right. Right. So that is really the first step. And I had a lot of upgrading to do. I really, oh my God, just gave me an unavailable man in like whatever different shape or form and like done. Like that, I, 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 you know, it's like looking back, I'm like, damn, I was like a glutton for punishment um, because I really struggled letting go of these men that were unavailable. And I can look at the situations now because there were people where it's like, I felt like this has to be the one. Wow. And I'm just like, wow, there's, there's 0% chance that possibly could have been the one. Like that is not a person that wanted to be, that wanted to love me, that wanted to care for me. Um, so Upgrading the love blueprint, that is big, big work. 
taking full responsibility for everything that's showing up. And then it's really getting clarity on what you desire. But it goes beyond just what you desire because it's not just like, well, this is what I want. It's about like what is actually going to allow me to create a relationship where I can be like that best version of myself, where I can be happy and feel love towards someone and build a life with someone. And, you know, it's really interesting because people sometimes think that they know what they want. Oh, yeah. And, and, and want, knowing what you want and kind of knowing what you need or the best mm-hmm. things for a healthy relationship, I feel like they could often be two different things, especially if you don't know. Totally. Totally. Sometimes they're totally misaligned. Wow. And, you know, it sounds so straightforward, but people really overlook this. Like I'll say, what are you looking for in someone? And they'll describe what they're looking for. And then I say, so what qualities are most important to you? And then they're telling me things that are completely at odds. Mm-hmm. And like, we just don't realize. So it, it is true. It's like, you need to know, like, what do I really need? You know, what's actually, and if you have had a skewed love blueprint, you probably really don't know, or like the way that you're picking is just going to be very off. Um, you know, and I'll give you an example. So for me, you know, before, before the interview, we were talking a little bit and, you know, you were saying that intelligence is really attractive to you. So, you know, for me was intelligence, but intelligence that really would manifest as like charm and wit. Someone who came across as like very intelligent and very witty and charming was just like, ah, yes. So it's like, I adored men who had this very high level of charm. And I would have said that that was a requirement. I might not have called it charm. I probably wouldn't have called it charm. I would have just said, you know, someone who's really gregarious and is really easy talking with people, like talking to people. But what I really meant was charm. And what I realized, and this was so mind blowing for me, is that the men that I found charming, they weren't just like, oh, you know, nice, interesting guys. They were very charming because they were cultivating a persona. Right. They were so charming because they spent a lot of time and energy making sure that they came across a certain way. But I'm also a very sensitive person and I wanted a partner that was attuned to me and that was sensitive to me and that wanted to prioritize my needs and my wants. And those are qualities that don't coexist. Mm. Because it's like someone, you can think of it almost as like a spectrum, someone who is very high on that charm spectrum. They're focusing most of their time and energy and attention on themselves and how they're coming across. You know, and without labeling everyone like this, a narcissist, it's like, that's definitely what you'll see in people who are sort of narcissistic. And so when that's the case, you're not going to find someone who has this high level of attunement to other people and care. So it was like, for me, sort of adjusting my... uh, uh, attraction so that I could be attracted to people who maybe weren't like could charm the pants off a tree, but who were, you know, kind and fun and interesting and funny, but in a more measured way. Right. No, that makes, that makes total sense because I think, first of all, we're all naturally full of contradictions, but in this area of love where a lot of people honestly are not getting it right. And by right, I mean, 
healthy and for them and the best relationship to serve them. It makes total sense that something that we want is obviously in contradiction to something that we might need or something that's actually on the other side of it. Like that's an awesome example. Yeah. And even, you know, it's like, sometimes I'll ask women, like, what are the top five most important things to you? And they'll leave out things and they're like, well, that's a given things like trustworthiness, someone who wants to be in a committed relationship. And I'm like, girl, you know that that is not a given. Like, not a given. No, it's, <laughs> it's not. not a given. And someone can be a, a great person in a lot of ways or super interesting or super funny or brilliant and not trustworthy. And it's like, you cannot take for granted these things that are actually going to lend themselves to a happy, healthy, committed, loving relationship. I so that's, that. so it's, you start by upgrading your love blueprint. The next thing is to get really clear on what you what, what you need, what you want, and just getting really specific about like what you actually want. You know, I, I, I did a workshop, I called it the build a man bootcamp. And it's like, I walk everyone how to do all of this because, you know, the reason that anyone listens to podcasts about or watches YouTube videos on or reads books about on or works with dating coaches or any of those things is because creating the relationships that we desire, it's not instinctual. It really is going to go counter our instincts in so many ways because our instincts are not leading us towards happy, healthy, loving relationships. Our instincts are leading us towards sex with the person who from a very biological standpoint is going to reproduce like the best looking, healthiest babies. Wow. Our biology is driving it. Not our, not our, not our mental or spiritual or evolved selves. Not at all. Mm -hmm. And what we want is these like more evolved spiritual loving relationships. Of course we want attraction. Of course we want to have sex with our partners, but we're choosing based instinct, create a relationship based on our higher selves. And then it's like, well, why isn't this working? And it's like, you're picking from the, like the cave woman in you is picking a partner and you're hoping that he's going to be this evolved king. And it's like, no, you're picking a caveman. <laughs> like you're picking a caveman. That lizard brain in you is like doing the picking and you're wondering why the relationship is not right. Working. Right. So really, you know, so it's like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault if this is not intuitive to you, if this is not the most natural thing for you, because it's not, it's not what our instincts are leading us towards. And so, you know, that's why it really is of a lot of value to like, to learn, to study, to, you know, listen to podcasts like this and read books and work with dating coaches. Right. Um, So, you know, you were saying about, you were saying about the steps to manifest, to manifest your mate. So you've upgraded your love blueprint. You've gotten really clear on what you want to desire. And so then this is where like the manifesting part gets really fun because the only thing that you really need to do then is get fully aligned with what you actually want. Right. And so, you know, this is the work. This is mm-hmm. the, this is the hard work. The belief. Staying, staying focused, not having yeah. all the doubts and blocks and resistance come in. Just exactly. This is the real work. Right. So, you know, it's like, just to give you an idea of like how big this part is. So it's like, I mentioned that I have this program. So it's like, we basically covered the first two modules. The next four modules are basically the manifesting, like the believing that you can actually having and get getting aligned with it. And, you know, here's what actually drives me crazy. This is like, because women will come to me and they'll be like, Crystal, 
I am manifesting my person and I think I'm doing a really good job manifesting. Like I really believe that I can have him, but then I go out on a date with someone and it's a really bad date and I just give up. I just feel like I should just give up on dating. And then I'm just like, so you're not manifesting because you are not exerting your will. And you know, will comes across as like, it sounds very forceful, but it's not about force or resistance or pushing up against something. In this situation, will is a mental muscle. Mm. And it is about knowing what you want and believing that it is possible and then holding that belief in your mind until it comes into your experience. Right. So if you say, I'm manifesting and I believe I can have it, but then the slightest thing happens and I don't believe, well, you're not practicing will at all. Like if you're saying, I get completely derailed from this minor setback from this one bad day or because this guy goes or whatever it is, it's like, you're not doing the work. Like right. you're not doing the work. That is the work. That is the work. work. It's really hard. And you know what I'm saying? It's hard. It's not hard. It's a practice and it is not something we are used to. Um, you know, I was on a call with one of my clients on Sunday and they're driving me crazy because I've been trying to hammer in this point. I'm like, you have to practice holding in the vision of what you want. You're not practicing faith at all. And I went in on her like a week ago and I was just like, it is time for some tough love. And, you know, I could tell that she was like a little surprised because I was just like, you know, I was, I was just being very forceful. I was like, you need to understand this. You have to get this into your mind. So we had that conversation. And then I spoke to her on Sunday and she was like, Crystal, <laughs> I, I need to tell you something. I am pretty sure that I manifested my person. And I was just like, of course you did. Cause it clicked. Right. It's not about time. Like, it's not like, oh, it has to take a long time. Time is so not the issue. It's just getting it. Like once you get it, you get it. Because what we're really talking about here, it's like you said earlier, it's, it's this awareness. And once you become aware of something, once you become aware of this ability to manifest a man or a woman or, you know, a romantic partner, whatever it is, you're aware of the ability. And then it doesn't become this elusive thing. You know, it's like, we talk about learning how to ride a bike or I'm going to teach someone how to swim. But really, it's uncovering the awareness. You could read a manual about riding a bike, but you're not going to get it until you actually do it. And then you have the awareness of it. And that's why people say it's like riding a bike because you don't lose the awareness, even if you don't do it for a long time. And so that's the same thing here. Once you become aware of that ability to manifest a partner, that awareness doesn't go away, you know? And so it's like, I am like, I love, I, I, I love marriage. I love committed relationships. Like that's always like my goal with my clients and students. But also it's like, if something happened with my relationship, it's not like, oh, well that's it, I'm done. It's like, no, I know how to manifest a great love. <laughs> <laughs> manifest another one. You know, it's like, I have no plans to break up with my husband, but like if something does, it's, it doesn't invalidate anything that I teach or that I've, I've, I've learned, you know, it's like, no, you can manifest someone else. And it's like the same thing for someone who's divorced or someone whose spouse has died. It's like, you haven't missed out on your great love. Like you get to have as many amazing partners as like you desire in your life. Like there's no, 
thing well, where it's it like, like too, one of the things that you're speaking on, um, at least I feel like the mindset has to do with this queen mindset. Like the whole, you talk about a lot, um, you know, a queen operating from her queendom kind of and seeking a king, but most women are not even, they're, they're operating like almost like peasants or something. Can yeah. You, you know, cause a queen is going to believe, Hey, that one I manifested, I can quickly, or I can on the right time manifest something else. Yeah. And, you know, versus, oh my gosh, I'm never going to have the things that I want. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about this queen mentality and this kind of queen king thing? Yeah. So, you know, the way a lot of women are operating is it's a, it's like a commoner. <laughs> and peasants, commoner. <laughs> peasants is good too. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's, it's not just that it's lower level. It's that it's very prevalent. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the problem is that you're going to be validated by a lot of people in these like less evolved mindsets. And, you know, so the terminology I actually usually use because there are several who are really good examples is a commoner versus a duchess. Queen is like the language that is very universally understood, but there's a specific duchess who I like to use as an example. Okay. Um, should I tell you? Should sure. I tell you? Okay. So I use this as an example because, you know, women will deal with all sorts of things from men. Like they'll have men that ghost them and they're like, he ghosted me seven months ago and I just can't let him go. Or you know, I thought that he was the one and then he told me that he didn't want to get married and I really want to get married. And so like, what should I do? And this example to me, is just like, oh, so freaking good. And, you know, whenever I say Duchess, people are like, oh, Kate Middleton, Meghan Markle. No, we're like going to go, you can need a little history lesson with this. So in the 1930s, the King of England um, was in love with an American divorcee. Wallace Simpson. Mm. Are you familiar with this? Mm -mm, no, this is good. They were in a relationship before he came to the throne. And he was in love with this woman. And nobody around him could get it. No one got it. No one liked her. She was, she was not this young, beautiful. She wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, she's 23 and gorgeous. Like, of course he's like, no. She, I think she might've actually been older than him. You can see pictures of her. She was no great beauty. And he was totally under her spell. And the government did not, like the government and the people could not get behind him being with this woman. Like they were just like, this is soup. This is unacceptable. And he was like, I am marrying her. I do not care what anyone says. And they said, you can't marry her and be king. And he said, well, I'm not going to be king then. And he abdicated his damn throne for this woman. Wow. Wow. And I know I'm getting chills as I talk about this. And so it's like, that's why Queen Elizabeth was not born to be queen. So his younger brother ended up taking his spot because he was like, I'm going to be with this woman no matter what. And that was Queen Elizabeth's father. And so changed the entire course of the world, this woman. Okay. And here's the other thing that I think is really interesting about her, because I'm not saying that she's someone that we should emulate in every way. 
but just to understand like the impact, the power that this woman had, because she and her husband, he stepped down and they went on a trip to Berlin. So we're talking about late 1930s Berlin. So this is Hitler's government. Exactly. And so it's like, if he had stayed king, that would have been a British government that sympathized with the Nazis in a very sort of outward way. Like literally the course of history could be totally different. And it was not because she was beautiful and it was not because she was young. It was because she was so herself. Right. And he could feel that energy from her. Like she had this strong energy. And so this is actually really interesting because I think that this will resonate with your audience. Because my guess is that a lot of the women in your audience are very educated, very successful, and have all these accomplishments, right? Definitely, definitely. And so when women are dating, often they look at like what a catch they are based on their achievements and their intelligence. And I went to this school and I make this amount of money and this is the car that I drive and this is my apartment. And they're like, well, I'm such a catch. I don't understand. I don't understand why he would go for her over me. You know, we think we're very proud of the things that we accomplish, right? And so it's hard to wrap our minds around like a man would be so pulled towards someone who in our eyes might look like she's on a lower level. You might think she's not as accomplished as I am, or I have my own business and I'm making six figures and he's with this woman who makes $20,000 a year. Like I don't understand. It's because none of those things really matter to a man. Hmm. None of those things are going to make you more attractive as a partner, because he is not comparing you to, you know, maybe the woman you grew up with, you know, maybe you are not from a great neighborhood and you have really like risen above your station or you've made a lot of money and you came from a very middle-class background or whatever it is. He is not comparing you to maybe the women that you knew when you were young. He is comparing you to the other women who are very much like you who are attractive and who are educated and who have accomplished a lot. And as much as he may like flatter you and be like, oh, you're so smart, you're so interesting. There's nothing that you are showing about yourself that you are putting out when you were dating that is actually different than anyone else that he wow. could have. Wow. I hope for, I hope for the women listening right now, that's sinking in. Cause if you're not saying that it's not about what you have, it's about what more do you have? Who are you? What else do you offer in your full power? Right? Yes. It's really a who are you? It's like, you got to take away all of those accomplishments. So because men are not women. Women look at those things and we like them. We say he's got a great car. He's got a great apartment. He's got a great job. Ooh, like this is, this is positive. And like, they don't think that. There may be certain qualities he likes. Some men may say, I want a woman who is intelligent. But he is not saying you went to this school versus you went to this school. He's like an intelligent woman is an intelligent woman. You know, same with like, if he says, I want a woman who's ambitious, he's not saying you're the CEO of a fortune 500 company and you have started your own hair salon. One is superior. He's saying both of these women to me show ambition. So as much as that CEO might think that she's on a different level than someone who has this small business or, you know, isn't making nearly the money she is. It's like, he's looking at it the same. Wow. So it's like, who are you as a person? And like, how behind that are you? 
you know, because a lot of women, we hide behind those accomplishments. We hide behind like, oh, I'm a lawyer, you know, look at my infinity. And it's just like, he's like, don't care. <laughs> it's not, he, and he's not going to say that to you because why would he say that? And he's going to say what it takes for him to stay in your good graces, you know, so he can do whatever he'd like. But right. who, who are you really? Because it's so much about that energy. Like, what is the energy that you are bringing? How is he feeling with you? Because that's really all it's going to come down to. Like, is he getting the energy that he wants from the relationship? And, you know, it's like, I think about when, when I got together with Kobe and I would ask him, like, how did you know? Like, why did you like me so much? And it used to drive me crazy because he would just be like, it was just really fun being with you. Like, it just felt easy and fun. And I'm just like, no, like, it has to be deeper than that because we go so much cheaper with that. We can say, here are the 17 reasons why I adore him. Here are the 10 reasons I like him. Here are the seven reasons I don't love him 100%, but like he's still acceptable, right? Like we can break it all down. And like, that's just not how they're thinking. It's like, do I like this energy and do I want more of it or don't I? So it's like, that's the one, that's one thing. And then the other main thing is like, do I actually think I can make her happy? You know, that would be one of the main scenarios where mm. he might really like your energy and he just doesn't feel like he's going to be able to make you happy. Um, and men, that's important to them. That is a big part of like the satisfaction they get from relationships is like, can I make this woman happy? Wow. That, I, I hope everyone was listening. Cause I feel like those are some serious like nuggets dropped, especially for, I feel like successful women that, you know, think that, think that we have it all together and, and know everything. And, um, I think that gets into a little bit of like the thing, different things that women want from men than men want from women. I think a lot of times women think that it's the same and it's obviously, Crystal, you're saying it's, it's just not. But, it, mm -hmm. but you also bring up another really interesting point about the energy and about how we're feeling. And men are, it sounds like men are listening to that, but are women listening to how they truly feel like on the inside? Are you finding oh, that? That's such a good question. So... No. Well, okay. Here's what I see. I see a couple of things. Often enough, they are not really tuning into what they feel. Because one of the things, one of the scenarios that I see a lot is that a woman will be absolutely crazy about a guy. Mm -hmm. I love him so much. We have such an amazing connection. The chemistry is amazing. And all of that is true. But the primary emotion that she feels in her interactions with him and like as they relate to him is like anxiety and fear. And it's not like, oh, I feel so happy and loved, you know, when it comes to him. It's like, I feel this anxious energy where it's like, I, I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to catch him. Wow. So it's a really interesting thing because women are, yeah, we very much, a lot of women, when they meet a guy that they like, I cannot tell, this is, this is like the thing that women always say, they'll be like, we have such a great connection and we have so much chemistry. And I just never meet guys that I really like. Like, it's just so rare that I have such a connection. It's been such a long time that I thought this kind of connection was something. It, it, it's gotta be him. Like that must be what I'm feeling that like, he's supposed to be my person. He's the one that I'm supposed to have. So now that I know that he's the one that I'm supposed to have, I'm gonna make sure I catch him and keep him. So this chemistry and, is essentially turning off the brain or the processing of everything else that's in the picture. In a lot of ways. It's like you put blinders on, you get tunnel vision 
Because when you decide that you have to have a particular person, and it feels different when it comes from men, but from women, well, not entirely though, because men can also do this. When you have this high desire where it's like, I have to have them, it is this getting energy. It's this energy of, I am trying to get this person. I want to get something from them. And actually we can feel it when it happens with men. And you know, for most women, they'll say, it's like, I just felt skeeved out because it'll feel really aggressively sexual. And you're just like, I can tell every time you look at me, you're just thinking about what you want to do to me. And I do not like it. Like, it just feels like you're doing too much. I need you to like back off because it feels dangerous. It feels dangerous. And understandably, you know, women are smaller and weaker than men. And so when a man is looking at you, like he just wants you and he's acting like I just have to have you, it feels dangerous, right? It doesn't feel good. And so with men, they can feel the same thing from women and it doesn't feel dangerous in the same way, but it does feel like this woman is trying to take from me. And, you know, one of the things that I think women really underappreciate about men and like what they have to go through in relationships is that relationships tend to take a lot of resources from men, especially during the courting dating phase. And that's so, so true. Cause I feel like nowadays you hear men, you know, men complaining about the investments they have to make or paying for everything. And you're starting to see men kind of push back right. on, in terms of pain and what it really means to court. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It takes a lot of their resources. So it's like their financial resources, obviously, but also their time, their energy, their attention, all of the things that they value there's now a woman who wants all of that. And men are happy. Like nothing gives them more joy to like give those resources freely to someone that they really want to. If you're talking about a generous man, some men are not generous with their resources, but a generous man, it's like he will give everything for the woman that he wants to be with. You know, and it's like, we're talking about with King Edward. Um, He was, I'm giving up my throne because I want to be with this woman. And, you know, most men don't have a throne that they need to give up, but just their time and their money and their energy. And they're happy to do it when they really want to. But when it feels like someone's demanding it of them saying, you need to do this and they don't want to, it's just like, no, you need to back off of my stuff. Like (laughs) I want to keep my things for myself. Wow. Well, I have a question for you kind of thinking through, um, energy and like what women want and what men want. What do you think about this whole kind of divine feminine, divine masculine and like women leading? I know one of the things that you said, even when you were doing the dating apps that you wanted them to start the communication first as women are, is part of the problem that we are operating in our masculine, especially for the successful women that, you know, for, most women to be successful in the workplace, at least right now, how the current power paradigms are, it usually requires a lot of masculine energy. So I'm just wondering if that is one of the, maybe the blocks, the things that women need to adjust, especially for the women that are out there that have quote unquote become successful. Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. Every single person has masculine energy and feminine energy. And you're 100% right. Most women do exert a lot of their masculine energy 
just getting about in the world. And that's okay. That's not an issue in and of itself. What you have to decide is in your relationships, do you want to primarily be the masculine energy or do you want to primarily be the feminine energy? And you can't be both, but once you are in a relationship, your relationship will establish a dynamic. So it's not about like being fake about it because when you're with someone, like of course there are things that are gonna be masculine that are gonna come out. So it's not, it's not saying that, but you do have to decide like, am I going to allow a man to lead or do I wanna take the lead? And either way is fine and either way can work out fine. So it's not that there's a right or wrong, but if you decide I want a masculine man I want a man who is going to have a plan, who is going to lead, who is going to initiate. Then you can have that, but you're going to need to be the feminine. And here's where women struggle with this, is that they'll say, well, I know that I have had this masculine energy, and that's okay, because with a man who's man enough, he'll be fine with that, and I'll submit to him. Yikes. Yeah, that is the mentality, and that is a strong mentality that a lot of women have. And that's not how it works because masculine men are not trying to duel with you to decide who is going to assert themselves. He's not saying I'm man enough that I can, you know, get this really masculine woman to submit. That's not sexy. That's not what he wants to do. So it's like, you sort of have to decide like which energy are you going to bring forth because he is going to feel something different. If you, you know, and this is the thing. Um, I have a friend who actually, it's like a kind of, like I adore this about her because she's not that different than most of the women that I know. She's very, you know, she's very successful, very ambitious, very much a go-getter. And she's just like, yeah, I'm masculine. And so I just went for the guy that I liked and he would not be considered an alpha male. Right. And that is perfect. Yeah, like, that is that works. Exactly that works, right. He supports her. He cherishes her. He absolutely adores her. And, and, he is not the one who's trying to take over the world. She wants to be like an Oprah and it just isn't going to work to be with a man who is like the same way. And I think that's the thing to really understand, like who is going to be like, who's going to be dominant? Are you going to follow his lead or not? And like, that's all it comes down to. And you cannot say, I'm going to wait till I find someone who's man enough for me because he's not going to want you. That's the bottom line. And you're going to be all mad because you're going to be like, well, he's going with this waitress. And like, here I am so incredible. And like, I don't understand. It's like, yeah, she's being feminine and he likes that energy. And I think, I think that's so true because I think you look at, you look at a lot of successful couples, like truly successful couples, and there's a little bit of a yin and a yang. But I think on the flip side, I think society is also sending us messages about this power couple and this power couple are like, the alpha female and the alpha male, and they're just both dominating their career spheres and they're doing this and that. So I think as women who quote unquote, think they want it all, they think that those two things go together when in fact, energetically, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it works out in the long term. And it's like, you have to look at those and be like, okay, well, first of all, being a feminine woman and being feminine in a relationship does not mean you have to dumb down or dull down your career ambition. I would say that, you know, in my relationship, Kobe very much took the lead. He moved the relationship forward. He pursued me. I wanted to be pursued and he pursued me. But I have my own business and I don't, like, I haven't given that up to be with him. And he hasn't desired that from me. 
we have very like our relationship is definitely like tempered. It's not that he always takes the lead. He does with a lot of things, but definitely not with everything. And we very much found a balance. Some men are going to be, you know, and it's like, again, you got to think about it on a spectrum. So it's like, my husband is someone where it's like, he is an alpha male and he is very masculine. He has a lot of masculine energy, but he has very, very low ego. And that happens to be something that is fairly rare. And I shouldn't say it's rare. It's not rare. Often though, women are attracted to ego, right? Like that looks masculine to us. And so we look for these guys for these huge egos. And so someone who has a lot of ego is not going to want to temper that masculine feminine energy. He is going to want to be sort of take charge more. And that's just something you need to be aware of. You know, if you are saying to me, it's really important that I have someone who's really masculine, very strong, very determined, you know, always sort of knows what's best, you know, has this multi seven figure business and like is planning on taking over the world. That's all fine and good. But you have to understand what may come along with that, which may be that he's like, no, my career comes first. So whatever your ambitions or dreams are, you may have to put them aside. And you have to know, like, is that something that feels good for you or not? And some women think that they'll be okay with it and they're totally not. Well, that goes back to that clarity piece that you brought up before about truly understanding what you desire, about things being in conflict, the things that you think that you want are actually not in reality, they don't go together. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing when we're talking about power couples is like, again, you have to think about like, what are we really looking at in a relationship here? You know, I feel like Beyonce and Jay-Z is an example that people like to give or, you know, the Obamas, but it's like Beyonce and Jay-Z probably don't, they they don't have a committed relationship. And we know just from what? I said, yikes. I mean, but you know that, like that's very public knowledge that it's not a, a committed relationship. It's committed in some ways, but it's not committed in terms of faithfulness or exclusivity. Um, right. Well, we do. Well, we do know that right from the Jay Z side. Is that correct? Or you know it from Beyonce's right. side? Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's all it takes. It only takes one person right. to not be exclusive or committed for it to not be. And they have an arrangement that really works for them. And so, yeah, they're a power couple in that they're extremely wealthy and extremely successful. And I'm sure that there is a ton of love between them, but is that the relationship that you want? I would not be surprised to find out that they feel a lot of distance and lack of intimacy and isolation from each other. Right. And obviously he looked for a different type of energy, you know, he's with this woman that is worshiped by millions and he wanted something else. So again, it's like, it's really coming down to that energy. And that's not saying there's anything wrong with her at all. Right. I mean, there's not, he was looking for something else. So it's like, who are you really reaching towards? And I think even if you look at, you know, I think you have to think about like, what are we actually looking at in these relationships? Plus like realistically, most love relationships don't last. Like a five-year marriage in Hollywood is like a big deal. So like, <laughs> That's true. That's true. So now like kind of thinking through, let's say that you actually get into a relationship or you are, or you are dating. I think one of the things that I know my audience um, has brought up with me is about having like boundaries and standards, especially if you're operating in your feminine, how do you, you know, exert boundaries? Yeah. With that, with that alpha male. Okay. Great question. 
So here is something that people really don't get. Being feminine does not exclude saying no. Saying no, this is not what I want. This is not what I desire. That does not make you unfeminine at all. So it's not that passivity. Is- it's not passivity. No, right. no, right. absolutely I think that's. Not. I think that's commonly misunderstood. I think people think feminine means you just go with the flow. It's allowing, because I think they're patterning it off of 1950s. Right. <laughs> right, which is one way of looking at femininity, but, and there is a flow to the energy, but there has to be an end to it also. So boundaries this is really interesting this is super super interesting because people really get this wrong like they do not get it right because the way most people think about boundaries the way they look at boundaries is they say i have a boundary so i have this boundary you must respect my boundary so you're crossing my boundary you need to stop that stop crossing my boundary you have to do something different and that's not what a boundary is a boundary is saying, if this particular thing happens, here's what I choose to do. And so this goes back to that place of taking total responsibility for yourself. It's not about controlling another person or trying to infringe on another person's autonomy, which is what a lot of women do. This is when we really move out of our feminine and into this very brittle place. It's not masculine. It's like this rigid, brittle place where it's like we're very easily hurt and broken and cracked. So boundaries isn't about saying like, you need to behave a certain way. So it's more like if this particular thing happens that is a boundary for me, then my action will be whatever it is. So maybe that is, and it's like everyone's gonna have different ones. Um, But like, you need to know, you need to know what they are. So let's say that, um, you know, a boundary for you could be being yelled at. I don't want to be yelled at. To me, it is crossing a line that is crossing a boundary if someone screams at me. I will not be in that situation. So the boundary isn't saying, you stop screaming at me. The boundary is saying, this is a situation I'm not going to be in. I'm leaving and pulling yourself out of that situation. So you're the actor. Like you I, think, I think that's the I think that's a big key point here is that the person with the boundary is the person who's observing the other person's react you know maybe how they're interacting with it but they're still the person that must take the action step and yes. not put off on them no respect my boundary no do this no do that I think that is like really a key point that I hope people are getting here yeah totally because that's not how we think about it right like we think no. about it like you need to do what I say. You know, so the way it comes up in dating and relationships, it might look like, you know, one of my boundaries is that you, 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 can't, you can't flake on me. Like if we have plans, you can't stand me up. That might be a boundary. That would be a boundary for me, for sure. And it's not saying if don't flake on me again, maybe it is, maybe you'll say I will be flaked on twice before I end something, whatever it is, it doesn't, whatever it is for you. But the thing is not saying now it's time for you to reform your behavior. It's saying this is not a relationship that I'm going to be in because this is behavior that's unacceptable to me. Now, is that the same thing as having standards? Are boundaries and standards the same thing? Well, the boundary, we really call it a boundary once it's being enforced. 
So the standard is sort of like, here's what I will tolerate, what I, what I want. And the boundary is saying, this has been violated. I, I can't accept this. Um, you know, the thing is, is once people have different levels of boundaries and different level of standards, when you raise your standards, um, you, when you raise your standards really uh, in a very sound way and you can really get behind it, it starts to shift your energy. And when it shifts your energy, you don't have to enforce the standards as much. It becomes much more like of an energetic thing. It's just in your field and certain things won't happen. So for example, there are some women who come from abusive households. They have abusive backgrounds and someone hitting them is not outside of their experience. That is not a part of my experience. That was never a part of my experience. So that was a standard that I never had that boundary cross where I needed to enforce it. It was just like, that was a standard. I didn't even call people in where that happened. That wasn't a part of my experience, but someone whose dad hit her or mom hit her, that could be part of her experience. And that could be something where it's like, she then has to create a standard. She has to set a new standard for herself because the standard before, maybe I'll be hit three times before I leave. Wow. You know, right. That's, you that's, know that that's, that's so powerful. And that also is like the whole manifestation and energy elements in terms of being able to um, work with our energy so that we make sure that we are attracting in things that are now at our energy vibration. And once we are truly there and holding our standards and living them, some of that's going to fall away. Right. It will fall away. A lot of it will fall away. But here's another thing to really keep in mind when you're raising your standards. So you know, like I said, I never got to the level where that was a part of my experience, but I had some crappy behavior that I really didn't like. And I had to raise my standards in a lot of ways in terms of how I expect, like the way people would show up for me, how frequently, you know, the way that they would treat me when they took me on dates, all of these different areas where it was like, wow, I'm really settling for subpar treatment and behavior. And so I had to raise my standards in a lot of ways and it didn't feel natural to me. And so one of the things to really stay aware of is that when you first raise your standards, especially if you're doing it in like a significant way, it might seem like things are going to hell in a handbasket for a minute. <laughs> because we have a, a certain set point, right? Like we have um, in our subconscious minds, we have a certain set point. And so it's like, we're, there's this part of us that is trying to stay in this equilibrium, this place that we are used to. So you're saying I'm raising my standard and your subconscious is like, ah, what's happening? Exactly. Right. And you're going for something better, but the change is like a signal to your subconscious. It's like danger zone. Like your subconscious wants to keep you safe and safe does not necessarily even mean safe. Literally safe means the same. It means right. not the change. And so right. if you have been with people who are really mean to you and who insult you and call you names and you feel great chemistry with them. And then you say, wow, I've really been settling. I don't want that kind of treatment anymore. Being with someone who says kind things to you is like, you're so beautiful. I was thinking about you all day. I missed you. You're amazing. You're brilliant. That is not going to feel safe. And it's like people from the outside are just going to be like, what is wrong with you? I don't understand. But it's like, it kind of goes back to the love blueprint here. And it's like, your subconscious is like, no, 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 you, you got to go. And so it's like, 
because of this energy, this, our subconscious mind is what's really like communicating with the energy around us. Right. And so it's like, that's why it can seem like crazy things are happening. You know, you get into a fender bender on your way to work or, you know, you, your, your identity gets stolen or just like all these things that it's just like, how can this be related? And it's like, your subconscious is like, just sort of reaching out for anything to like get you to stop, to get you to stop this elevation, this development that you're doing. And so it can seem like things are going really haywire. You know, for me, it manifests with like a sickness. Like if I upgrade, I get a flu. Yeah, so do I. I get like this weird, it feels like I'm really sick. And it only, yeah. lasts, like, it only lasts like 48 hours at most, but. So I had a big up level a couple of months ago and I was sick for three weeks. Wow. I had mono. And what? it was just like, I, I know. And I, good I, things I was are here. Good things are. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. good. It can really throw you for a loop. And so, and this is one thing that I think people miss about manifesting, especially if you listen to the teachers who talk about flow and getting into a flow state and everything feels like alignment is that sometimes getting there does not feel like flow. It feels like chaos. It feels really scary and really like overwhelming. and like, I cannot do this. Um, but understanding that like, it may not feel like alignment when you are up leveling in a big way. So it's like everyone talks about wanting a quantum leap and an up level, but it's like you say you want that until you actually have to experience it. And it's not all, it's not all fun and games. It, it can feel really intense. No, I agree with you completely. Because even with my clients, no matter what they're trying to manifest, um, I think we talked about it earlier about doing the work. And when you're doing the work and when you're holding the vision, but basically you've created all of this, if we want to use, you know, traditional law of attraction speak, you've created all this momentum under your old vibration and the old way that your subconscious is working. That has been your flow. Right. That's essentially been your flow. That's been your vibration. That's been the energy that you've been moving and making decisions in and living in. So when you decide to start rewriting that track or raising your vibration, it's only natural that you're going to be like, wait, 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 like I've gotten out of my normal atmosphere and so things are going to take some time to shift. And if we want to go to the old alignment speak, get back into alignment. But that's after you've gone through this turbulence, I feel like, mm -hmm. period. And you've held the vision, right? You've right. done the work. That is right. the work. Yes, exactly. Wow. So for the listeners that want to work with you, what are, I know you mentioned manifesting. I think you said manifesting your mate. Tell us a little bit about the ways that we can work with you. So for women who are like, this is my time. I am going to meet the love of my life. I call it like, I want to get engaged in a year. Like they want like the fast path, the sort of the way that I did it, but with a really great partner, not just anyone who's willing to marry you. Um, I do work with people one-on-one. -on -one. That's like my highest, it's the highest way of working with me. Um, and then my signature program is called Magnetize Your Match. And it is a six module program it, it's amazing. It's really, really incredible. Um, the doors aren't always open. They are open for a period of time and then they're closed. Um, but I, I do that a couple of times a year and I have a lead into it that I call the magnetize your match challenge. And so that's a great way to sort of just like get more experience with me and my work. Um, but those are like some of the main ways. And then like, of course, I, I also have a podcast um, and you can find me on Instagram. I share stuff on Instagram just for free. I want as many people to have access to this information, this work as possible. So I share stuff on Instagram all the time. And 
it's, I mean, it's great. <laughs> so again, Crystal, thank you so, so much for coming and sharing. You've shared so much with us. You guys, they're just like nuggets upon nuggets of information, both for kind of cleaning up our own vibrations, right? Learning our own blueprints, as well as like figuring out how to manifest, um, these amazing love relationships that we can all have. Like that's, I think that was the beauty of this conversation is that no matter what was our story kind of before or our energy or whatever's going on with this so-called wonky um, love blueprint is that we can totally fix it. Sometimes we need a little help. So don't be afraid to reach out to Crystal. Um, her information will totally be in the show notes. So I'm encouraging you if this if this podcast or there were things on here that resonated with you or even just made you like, Hmm, I need to know more, go learn more. That means there's something here for you and it's your time to take the next step. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much everyone for listening today and I will talk with you soon. Thanks Crystal. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes and subscribe. I'd love to continue the Mind Soulful Flow. Please connect with me at my website at brooksitney.com or everywhere around the web, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TheBrooksitney. And for my lady listeners who need a little self-love and self-care time, as well as luxury, pampering, and yoga and meditation, I invite you to join me at the Mind Soulful Self-Love Yoga and Meditation Retreat which will be held in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico on October 11th through the 14th, 2019. Visit brooksitney.com for more information. And of course, for those of you who know you want more inner and outer abundance, apply to work with me. That information is available on my website. Until the next episode, cheers to loving yourself more and the life you are presently living.